In this episode of the Project Mindfulness Podcast, we talk about healthy eating and plant-based diets. Is it really healthy to be vegan? Honest and open to all religions, all traditions, all ages, and all levels of experience. Radically accessible, pragmatic, and eye-opening. Simply for everyone. Welcome to the Project Mindfulness Podcast. We'll take you on a journey across the globe and talk with other meditators about their practice, the lessons they have learned, and what they want the world to know. Good day and welcome. This is episode 27, and I'm Christian Neteson. Thank you for joining us. Today, I have a talk with Isabel de Berg. She specializes in creating plant-based alternatives to recipes and teaches young teens the significance of nutrition for mental health, amongst other things. She received her Bachelor of Science from the University of Southern California and has extensive training in health coaching through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. We talk about switching to a plant-based diet, a holistic approach to wellness, emotional eating, and the effect of our metabolism on our everyday life. Today, joining me on the podcast is Isa uh, Welcome, Isa, on the podcast, first of all. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. Um, Isa, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, who are you and, and what do you do in life? So I um, have a blog called Isa Tales, which I started about three-ish years ago um, after a battle with not being happy with my life. And I think a lot of that was um, just kind of pushing down what my true desire was and in denial and kind of afraid to show everyone that, you know, this is who I am. This is what I love doing. And what that was, was health and wellness and specifically holistic health and just eating functional foods for ultimate living and happiness and all of that. Um, and I decided to take a lot of time for introspection and, um, sat with one of my closest friends and my brother. Um, he said, he's like, Isa, you need to just, you need to just start a blog. Like you need to start Isa Tales. You need to start talking about like your stories and what's important to you. And so I started Isa Tales. And now um, that's been kind of my, one of my main focuses over the past few years is using this platform that I call Isa Tales, which is, you know, my stories or my tales on mm -hmm. healthy living and what has really worked for me and what I've seen work for other people. And specifically in like a, a non-toxic, cruelty-free and sustainable living space um, is kind of what I like to base my life off of, um, just because that's what's worked for me. And that's something that I believe are my true core values. Right. And you, you said before that there was a certain transition from one lifestyle to what you're doing now. Um, could you tell a little bit more about why it was such a transition for you and the people around you that you had an interest for um, health and wellness, basically, and this specific thing? Yeah, it's actually, it's a fun, it, I don't know how fun of a story, but it's a, it's kind of a detailed story of started all when I was uh, 15 years old and I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. So for, I know it's a pretty familiar disease now, but for those who aren't familiar with hypothyroidism, our it basically means that your thyroid hormones is under, or underactive. So our thyroid gland, which 
helps to control our energy on a daily basis and our metabolism and our temperature and all of that um, was not working properly, which in my mind was my body, you know, screaming out loud and clear that there was, um, you know, technically it's a disease. So it's thyroid disease, but it's a dis-ease in the body. There's my, something was off in my body and I wasn't paying attention to it. Um, and of course also thyroid disease run, ran in my family. So when I got it, it wasn't too big of a shock, but it was also it's very uncommon for it to surface at that young of an age for females. So that was where um, it kind of was a warning sign for me of, hey, like something's not right. And at that time in my life, I was living off of microwavable meals. I ate a lot of Hot Pockets and Totino's pizza rolls and, <laughs> and taquitos and like all of these awful things that just aren't meant to be digested by the body. Um, and I wasn't exercising as much. I, you know, just wasn't living a life that was authentic to us as a human species. You know, we're supposed to be moving. We're supposed to be fueling ourselves with clean food and food from the earth. And that was not what I was doing. So of course this manifested in disease in my body. And I had a crazy bout of, um, in and out of seeing Western medical doctors and by no means am I against Western medicine. I think this is so great for certain you know, certain scenarios, but for what I was trying to accomplish, it wasn't helping me. And a lot of the times they weren't listening. And all I really figured is that I had to listen to myself. I had to turn in and listen to my body. And I had all of these signs of like craving green juice and like all of these weird things that were so foreign back in 2010. It wasn't a big deal then, you know, it yeah. was not as popular to eat that clean. So started craving like celery and carrots after off of eating like, you know, taquitos. So it's like a crazy turn of events. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to listen to this calling. I'm going to start eating carrots. So I started just making these weird lifestyle changes that you know, at the time were really weird, but looking now are totally normal and great for us. So um, it really took of slowing down, listening to myself and unfortunately, not listening to the Western medical doctors who were putting me on a lot of prescription medications that ended up making me more ill. And then in that whole journey, it showed me how much I really care about using food and as medicine and, you know, listening to ourselves and using spiritual healing to really help myself and others and see how much potential there is there. And so because I had that experience, I wanted to share it so badly with other people, but I, during that time in society, it wasn't very popular to be talking about this alternative form of healing. Um, and I was scared. I was honestly scared to tell people. I was scared to, you know, show that this was something that I still believed in. And so I tried to stick with the mainstream. And for years, I numbed it. So I went along the typical route in my career of like being a great student, going to doing fashion internships, having a great job in the fashion world, and then transitioning to PR and like living this fast paced lifestyle where I wasn't listening to my body and I was trying to numb all of these things that I felt were real, um, but yeah. afraid to speak out. And then finally I was like, wow, I am so miserable. I was unhappy. My skin was awful. It was all of these crazy things. My thyroid wasn't healing properly. And it all came back and I was like, I think I have thyroid disease again. I went and got my levels tested and my levels were awful again. And so took, it was one car ride that I remember it all switched and I was in the car with my brother and he's one of my best friends, as I mentioned earlier. And he was like, Isa, this is, it's so obvious. Like you need to just tell people your journey and you need to share it with people because that's what you love doing. And that's when it clicked. And that's how I started as a tale. So 
it's been a really wow. good journey. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned that there's a spiritual aspect to it, to discovering yourself and what what your body needs, what it uh, wants, and also how to help others become aware of that. Could you tell us a little bit more about that spiritual journey? Yeah, I think... Um, so spirituality in my mind is it, it can be so vague it's for everyone can have their own version of spiritual healing and it's whatever they believe in in my mind is right i don't think any i don't think there's a right or wrong way to go about spiritual healing um but in in what has worked for me is just connecting with the world around me i think in this day and age, everything is so fast paced. Um, I notice it now. I recently relocated out of Los Angeles. I was living in LA for about five years and finally moved out. And I, now when I come back to LA, I notice like, this is the environment I was living in for five years was everyone honking and driving super fast and trying to get places. And there's no such thing as being late and all of this crazy, like, time was such a construct. And I was like, wow, I really need to step back and notice that if you just sit outside for 20 minutes without a phone, without anyone else, and you're just there and you're just being, and you're looking around and you're watching, you're observing the people going by, you're watching the squirrels try to find forage for food, or you're watching birds interact or migrate or whatever. It's like, you realize that there's a much bigger organism out there that is so much more important and powerful than our day-to-day -day chaos. And right. that in itself for me was so healing because it made me one really, really practice gratitude of how, how thankful I am to be alive and to be able to move and to be able to see that there are other ways to heal. And then also just to like not sweat the small stuff you know yeah and it seems to be very central to connect to nature too also when i um, read up on what you do also in the diets that you work with and the, the the recipes and food that you work with it's really about connecting with nature and letting nature um, heal the body and the mind um, how did you find that out was that because of your own um uh, you know, struggle with your body at that moment that you felt like the medicine isn't working. I need to do something else. And how did you find that? Yeah, I, I, I definitely, it all, the whole root of my journey was definitely from being ill and trying to listen to my body and seeing that I needed to try alternative forms of healing. But another big aspect for me was I'm very science-based. So while I love you know, believing in things that we can't see as well in terms of spirituality. But I also see, I try to look at my form of healing and, and food as medicine back to, for example, you know, different species crave foods that are in season. So that's an example of like different species crave foods that they need and things that are in tune with nature and the seasons around us. And for me, I was like, okay, you know, there is this food that is grown on the earth. It's plants. It's, I mean, it's, it's greens, it's fruits, it's nuts, seeds, um, grains, whatever that's grown naturally by the earth at different times of the year. Maybe that's a good place to start. 
So I tried that and eating seasonally and really being in tune with like me as a creature, you know, looking at me as like a, an actual species and organism that's part of the earth and trying to treat my body that way. Um, so I started eating, you know, like foods without chemicals. So I tried to avoid um, conventional produce. I tried to get food from farmer's markets that was seasonal. And that was a big part of my healing process was, I think that helped me connect to who I am as an energetic being and as an organism of part of a bunch of other organisms in this world. And then also feeding my body with what it really needed and craved at the time, because I think there is something much greater going on, but that's also what other species do. So they're all thriving. I mean, isn't that how, in my mind, was a great way for us to thrive too. Right. And so you say that it has to do with seasonal eating. And I can imagine it also has to do with day-to-day, um, -day, the moments where you eat and don't eat. Um, is that right? Does it have to do, like, when do you eat certain things? Or is there, like, um, a good way to, for instance, start your day or... or take certain things at certain times? Yeah, in terms of um, optimal health, I think, so, so I think, you know, with someone who is struggling with illness, whether it's disease or if it's um, an infection, like a viral infection, which are very common now, or a bacterial infection or, you know, any sort of inflammation in the body, I think, and yes, feeding windows can help, but in those cases, it's more like incorporating more superfoods and eating seasonally. And so finding foods that like, like blueberries, for example, that are so incredibly good for us and have all of these antioxidants and like turmeric that brings down inflammation and all of these healing properties of food that are here for us is kind of what I would say is the main factor of healing someone. But in terms of like living optimally, once you feel healed and are ready to kind of practice with your body and see what really works with you, I do think feeding windows are so helpful. So like you were mentioning, um, if you go back to like looking at our natural metabolism and how that functions on a daily basis and terms with also cortisol levels, like our natural cortisol rhythm throughout the day, it should be our, cortis our cortisol and our metabolism should be kickstarted first thing in the morning. That's hmm. wakes us up. Um, and then it should go down in the evening. But because of the lifestyle that a lot of people live now when they're living, working desk jobs and being in front of computer screens all day and blue, that specifically that blue light that drains a lot of our energy, um, it's, it disrupts these natural cortisol rhythms and our natural metabolism because we're sedentary all day. We're not moving and we're not getting up quickly in the morning and we're not, you know, we're immediately looking at our phones or some sort of device and sitting down. So our bodies are naturally confused because although our brains are so intelligent, like if our body is not moving and it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing first thing in the morning, then typically, you know, we're not living our optim like as optimally as we can. So in those examples, you know, like, yes, having coffee first thing in the morning can be great because it can spike your natural cortisol. But if you become reliant on it, then your body forgets how to make cortisol itself in the morning, which is so important for us. Hmm. In my mind, you know, like, and I mean, just in terms of looking at it in the science, in the science of how our body is supposed to work, it's really great if we wake up in the morning and we immediately jump around. You know, we look at the sun, we expose our eyes to sunlight. So our brain and our body could be like, hey, it's morning, time to wake up. 
And then maybe not eating right away. Maybe, you know, just giving your body like 30 minutes to wake up, drink a bunch of water. You just went nine hours or seven to nine hours without water. So we're obviously super dehydrated. Yeah. And like, you know, listening to what your body needs, wake up, jump around, look at the sun, drink some water, and then maybe go and have some breakfast or get some movement in because that's waking up your body and kicking your metabolism to start. And then, you know, eating lighter throughout the day as your metabolism slows down. Um, a one thing that I'm so big on, and I, I try to explain to so many people um, that has been such a game changer for me in all areas of my health in terms of sleep and just even having my skin clear and feeling better and having more energy is eating a really light dinner. Um, and the reason I say this is because when our body at night is, it, its goal is to regenerate and we're eating throughout the day, whether it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or if we decide to just do breakfast and lunch, or if we decide to do light breakfast, lunch, and two snacks. It's like our metabolism is constantly working. Our digestion is constantly working throughout the day. So if we eat a big dinner at night or too close to bedtime, then our body is spending all night digesting that food instead of healing and restoring all of its cells and doing cell turnover and clearing out our organs and detoxing and doing all these things that it's supposed to be doing while we're asleep. So that's been a big thing for me too, is you know eating a really light dinner and then doing it at least three hours before I know I'm going to go to bed. Right. Coming into that, the classic saying of uh, the, your breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Is that really true? <laughs> I know it's so hard. Um, I, I honestly say yes, but that doesn't mean, you know, like go all in on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it, you also have to think of it as like, okay, your metabolism is just getting started. So if you throw all of this food at it, well, it hasn't eaten for the past eight hours, it's going to be, it's going to take all of your energy to digest that. So yeah, I, I typically feel the best when I have like a, a good breakfast, you know, like, it, I mean, I usually do like a smoothie with um, lots of nuts and seeds and like um, different like protein on top and that sort of stuff. But um, it's still kind of light and filling and I feel like I'm getting all of the nutrients I need first thing in the morning, but then I'll have like a little bit bigger of a lunch and it'll be later on in the day. And then I don't typically eat dinner. So it's like my breakfast and then a bigger late lunch. Right. And, you know, if I'm still hungry, then I'll have a snack for dinner or something. But I try to, I try not to believe in rules necessarily and mostly listening to my body. That makes a lot of sense. That's a, Maybe that's a, a good central rule is like listen to your body uh, instead of taking other rules. I mean, based on that, I also want to ask a question. Like, is there something like a, a perfect diet or is there a perfect diet for each person? Oh, gosh, this question is so hard because everyone <laughs> has a different opinion on it, too. And it seems to be super controversial. You know, like everyone is so into keto one minute and then they're into um, like like raw veganism and then juicing and like all of these fads um from from what the research has showed us eating predominantly plant-based is one of the best things you can do and if that means also incorporating occasional grass-fed meat um then sure but as long as like 75 of your plate is plants i think you're in the right direction and i would say that a lot of 
functional food and functional medicine practitioners would agree. Um, there's obviously a lot of research and um, information out there to back up that dairy is not that great for us. It causes a lot of inflammation. We don't necessarily have the enzymes to be, to be digesting another species milk. So that's something that I usually recommend. So when I used to do a lot of um, nutrition counseling, when I first started off in this, the wellness world, um, that was the first thing I tried to recommend to people is like, hey, try limiting your dairy or not consuming dairy at all. And I was even in the grocery store the other day and I saw this girl um, picking out craft uh, Singles, like those cheese sticks in the yeah. in one of the grocery store aisles and her skin was like so awful. And I just wanted to be like, hey, like I've been there. I know how you feel, but like try not eating those craft Single cheese sticks. Right. <laughs> try maybe like the almond, the almond milk cheese over there. I swear it tastes just as good and your skin will clear up. Um, because I mean, that's your body. Uh, our skin is our body's big, big warning sign. So things like eczema and acne and all this stuff, a lot of the time is just our body being like, Hey, you have a lot of inflammation or something's wrong. Like pay attention to me. So yeah. I think, um, in terms of a diet, I say mostly plants. And I think Michael Pollan has a good, really great quote on this where he's just like, like eat mostly plants, but not too much. Like something like that where it's like you know everything in moderation but mostly plants right <laughs> yeah because i i got some questions coming up from people uh, of the community who there was someone who said he was interested in uh, transitioning to a, a plant-based diet um but he found it hard to do do you have maybe um some uh, advice for him how to you know go from a transition of eating meat regularly to a more plant-based diet? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I totally understand. I remember it vividly, my transition. And there is about two times that I distinctly remember caving in for chicken wings because I loved spicy buffalo wings at the time. <laughs> so it is, it's tough, but the advice that I can give is it's actually so fun to experiment with veggies if you make the time for it. So people are very, I mean, we're all so accustomed to our routines of like, we finish work. So we're going to go to this restaurant and grab this, this dinner, because that's what we've been used, used to be used to doing. Um, yeah. So I say one plan ahead. So if you know that you have a routine that's going to be hard to break during the week, then on Sunday, maybe go to the grocery store, grab those veggies that look interesting to you. My um, general recommendation is to try zucchini first because it seems to be a fan favorite and easy to cook. Um, and like, you know, trying easy greens and easy plants and seasoning them with your favorite meal. So say if you love like, buffalo wings, then make buffalo cauliflower. Like, you know, get some cauliflower, steam it, throw it in the, um, in the oven, put some coconut flour on it, toss it in some spicy buffalo sauce. Um, you have basically chicken wings, but they're plants. Right. Um, you know, with like zucchini, you can, you can get so creative. You can make teriyaki zucchini. You can make like, you can even use a steak rub on zucchini. So you feel like you're still getting that flavor. I mean, no one likes raw meat. I mean, maybe some people do. I don't know. I shouldn't make that stretch, but <laughs> the majority of us, Most, I feel like yeah. <laughs> don't like, like raw unseasoned, um, 
meat. So if you can just take that flavor that you are used to and transition that to plants, it's a really easy way to kind of get into baby steps of that lifestyle. Right. And someone also had the question about protein. Like how, how do you get the protein in your diet when you don't eat meat? Yeah, I think that this is probably one of the biggest common misconceptions in the, eating a plant-based diet. Um, there, We actually don't need a crazy amount of protein, as everyone says. Um, I think that that's kind of come with diet culture is the whole protein phenomenon. Um, and surprisingly, there are a lot of plants that have all nine essential amino acids that um, protein, you know, your standard like chicken or turkey would have. So um, for example, um, I believe it's like even spirulina, which is the blue-green algae. I'm pretty sure that has all nine essential amino acids. Chia seeds, like nuts, seeds, beans are huge. Um, there's so many different ways to get protein. For me personally, I, I eat tofu um, weekly and I do eat a lot of beans. Like I love white beans. Um, I, I eat so many nuts and seeds. I mean, 17 cashews have, I think it's like 10 grams of protein, which is like pretty, pretty good for, yeah. um, and like if anyone has tried a cashew, you would know you don't stop after 17. So <laughs> I'm sure right. you can easily get in that protein. Um, like for example, like I usually make, um, smoothies every morning and I put in some pea protein powder in there and that gets me 20 grams in just a smoothie. So it's really easy to get to get protein in a plant-based diet. And um, that being said too, though, like I don't think that people should make rules. I don't think I don't think anyone should be like, I'm never eating meat again because I think it's unrealistic. I think it's good to say, you know, I'm going to focus on always consuming a ton of plants. But if I feel like I really need some like sustainably I don't know. It's hard. I'm, I'm a big animal lover, so it's hard mm. for me to say. And I probably just from my own values probably will never go back to eating meat. I've also been on this for eight years, but, um, I think some people can, you know, do their thing and thrive better by maybe finding certified humane or like wild chicken and incorporating that into their diet. Um, so I think a lot of it comes down to know your source, know what makes you feel good and mostly plants. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. And then also the thing came up about uh, supplements. Like, do you need supplements when you have a plant-based diet? And if so, which ones? Yeah. So, so one of the biggest supplements for the, for vegans particularly, because the vegans don't consume any sort of animal products and they're all plants, um, is B vitamins. And that's one I think a lot of people know about, um, which is like B12 specifically. Yeah. It's not that, um, and just to clarify it, it's not that, it's not that plants don't have B vitamins and the only way to get B vitamins is through animal products because that wasn't actually always the case. Um, you know, plants used to back in the day had a lot more B vitamins than, um, animals, animal products did. And the reason why they don't anymore is because of how depleted our soil is now of the nutrients that it used to have before we had a lot of intervention, sort of like chemicals and that sort of stuff. So organic produce tends to have more B vitamins because the soil is more well-kept. Um, with animals that have you know higher B vitamin content, it's because they're being 
fed feed that has B vitamins in it, which is typically like wheat or things that they're not supposed to be eating because, you know, a lot of like, you know, chickens should be eating like critters. I'm pretty sure. I don't think they're supposed to be eating wheat. So, um, it's all, it all, it's kind of a little bit of a mess, our food system. Um, but I like to say, you know, try to get, if you get, even if you can grow your own veggies in your yard, it's better luck that you'll have more, you'll be able to get all of those B vitamins, but they're all, you know, if you have to take one B12 because it would make you feel better then sure do it. Um, you know, but there's a lot also to be said about the supplement industry and how clean it is. So just make sure you're, you do some research on the brand and you, it's one that you can trust. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And from that transitioning into a holistic approach to wellness, you talked about that a little bit, but, um, how does that work? Is it so besides food there, there are of course, there's exercise. I imagine that uh, meditation, mindfulness can play a part in that. Um, how does a, a, a holistic approach to wellness look like? Yeah. Um, so something that I learned in my nutrition course, um, which was a integrate, I took, um, I'm certified by the in Institute of Integrative Nutrition. So one of their biggest principles was talking about um, these nine pillars, I believe it was nine. And it, it basically talks about how in order to feel 100%, you have to have your career, your spirituality, your relationships, your exercise, your food, like your diet, all of these need to be in optimal health as well. So when one of these is out of balance, you will feel out of balance. And oftentimes when one is out of balance, another might be out of balance because sometimes they're interconnected. So I think that's kind of the idea of what holistic health means is that health isn't just you going to the gym and drinking celery juice. It's much bigger than that. It's about loving yourself, taking time to practice gratitude and have appreciation for a daily basis, but also having healthy relationships, you know, having friends that support you, having, make, giving forgiveness to family members that you might not be that close with or um, practicing forgiveness in general on a daily basis. You know, when someone cuts you off and you're in the car, you'd be like, hey, they, you know, try to understand that they have an agenda. They might be really late. Maybe they're in the car with someone who's in labor. Maybe they really have to pee their pants. You never know. But like always practicing this forgiveness and like that is a big part of holistic health too. So having a good outlook on life, understanding, forgiving to yourself and also, you know, sitting down at a dinner table and being like, I'm going to choose this because it's going to make me feel good today and tomorrow instead of something that you're like, this will make me feel good for five minutes, but I'm going to feel like awful afterwards. Right. So all of that kind of plays into what holistic health is. And, um, and maybe just uh, to remind, you know, to make sure that that's something that is constantly being practiced. I think taking time to slow down and doing self check-ins, like five minutes of silence and being like, Hey, did I do things that served me today, but also served others today is part of holistic health in my view. Right. So gratitude and forgiveness are very central to that. Um, but it's hard to forgive. It's especially hard when you feel you have to do something or you have to go somewhere. Is that also part 
of your approach is is being able to take a step back and and just um, let things go? Yeah, I think, um, yes, in short answer, but I think that it's different per circumstance. So um, I think the universe, I really believe that there's a greater energy out there that always has our back. So if we are um, feeling super anxious and we can't calm down um, and so here's an example. This morning I was driving to um, a Pilates class and I was very late and I could have either two ways. I, and I kept hitting stop signs and stoplights. And then I finally was like a block away from the class. And then this crosswalk turns on and it's probably the longest crosswalk I'd ever seen. I think <laughs> running for about a minute. And I was watching the counter go down. It was like 60 59, 58. <laughs> it was going so slow. And then I was like, okay, what is happening here? Basically, whatever scenario, whatever greater force that made me hit all of these stoplights is trying to tell me that it's okay to be 10 minutes late. Nothing is going to change. It's, everything is going to be fine. Like Time is just a construct. And I had to kind of take a second and be like, everything is fine. This is, this is the silliest thing ever. I don't need to get my heart rate up over this. Right. Or I could have not talked myself out of it. And I could have been on this like crazy rampage of like, maybe do I, do I run through the crosswalk or like, do I cut the next car off or do whatever? I could have totally lost my mind over it. And if that was the case, then I would say this is a lesson that I'm supposed to learn. And for whatever reason, whatever reason I'm acting this way and can't get myself out of it, I'm going to look back and I'm going to learn something from it. Because I believe that everything is either a lesson or a growing experience or, you know, we're constantly evolving. So either it's that moment I was, I was either, I got to that point because I had been there in the past and have learned from it, or I'm learning right now. And in the next time I won't have to experience this again. All right. So central to that is having a trust in whatever force or uh, thing is happening that there is a reason for it and you you can work with it, right? So is there, um, connected to that, do you have a, a certain uh, idea of a, of a God or a religion that you connect to because of that, or is it really more of a natural force? Let's say, like the um, in Taoism, uh, they have the Tao, which is like the unseen force that basically, you know, um, gives and takes, and 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 is is beyond everything that is happening. Um, how does that take shape in your life and uh, for you? Yeah, I. I, I guess in a way it kind of is like Taoism, um, but I I don't know. I don't think I really don't believe that anyone is wrong. I think everybody in their belief of spirituality and religion is is accurate in their own way. Um, I think I really believe that we all are kind of believing the same thing, just in our own interpretations. Um, in my interpretation, I believe that, you know, it, it kind of stems off of really the more educated I have, I've become in science and how specific things work, you know, seeing how specifically how much food can heal people. And in my view of like, this food came to this earth for 
you know, through science. Somehow it was planted here through some sort of DNA genetic construct. And so were we as another organism. We were also somehow created here as another DNA genetic construct. And it only makes sense that all of us are acting together in some greater way, whether it's crazy to think that I'm connected to berries somehow. It's such a stretch, but I do feel that like in some way we are all connected um, because of that, like, and to seeing how, how much like, you know, plants can grow and foster with our intervention if we're there to water them and even just us there's they've done all these studies about how if we speak kindly to plants they grow more so it's like it's not even just something that's not seen it's there's all of these experiments that are able to back up this greater energy that we technically can't see but is there um yeah my view is is while it seems so unbelievable in the actual terms of what unbelievable means but also it's just like there's so many instances that are able to prove that we are all interconnected and it's not a far stretch to believe that there is things like karma or um like a reciprocating energy out there right coming from that um i've been interested in uh, kombucha for a while now and that sort of made me realize how, you know, bac bac bacteria, um, they're such a big part of what's happening. And I think about uh, a month ago or two months ago, I had like a bacterial infection in my, uh, in my stomach. And it, these things make me so aware of like how everything is interacting with each other. Like you can't, it's, it's all food, but you're also feeding, you know, organisms somehow, or you're feeding different things in your body that, uh, are able to grow or not grow or um, get stopped uh, or not get stopped because of what you eat and what you drink. And I think that's so mind-blowing how we are basically um, having this whole universe inside our body that is interacting with everything we feed it. And it go it gives the results, as you say. It's like, uh, in a way, karma, like w what you eat is what you get in your skin or in your nails or in your... Um, you know, and, and that was so mind-blowing for me when I started to look more and more into that and was like, wow, I'm like a whole organism. And, you know, it's that, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you totally hit it right on the head of just like, I mean, that and what your experience was is ties into us being another organism among millions of other organisms because bacteria are also living. Um, they're just another not as intelligent as human being organisms, right. um, but they are pretty freaking smart. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard, but it's also ties into the whole, you know, it ties into science, but it also ties into us all being connected in, in an energetic way. Um, and bacteria especially, and then also just like viruses like there's you know we can have a virus and it can be dormant in our body but if we feed it the wrong amino acids like if we eat too many nuts and seeds when we have a virus that's dormant then it will spike the virus and then the virus will come back so it's about finding balance and and really every and everything um you know mo i'm such a big believer in moder moderation and it's something my my granddad used to always say um 
he just always said everything in moderation. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, granddad. But now I actually <laughs> totally get it. <laughs> everything right. in moderation, but also listening to putting your body in balance. So if you have a bacteria infection, you know, maybe avoiding thing, avoiding consuming products that have too much bacteria um, or consuming the right bacteria. The greatest thing is that there's so many tests now, like with how science has come, um, we can take tests that can show specifically what bacteria are in our gut and which bacteria are missing and how to, and what foods to eat to cultivate that bacteria that's missing so that we can have a happy microbiome. So there's so many great ways to, to kind of hack your health now um, and actually see it on paper, you know, instead of all of these shots in the dark of like, oh, I'm going to try eating more cauliflower because I feel like I'm missing lactobacillus bacteria or like, right. I don't know. It, now you can actually see like, what bacteria is missing, what foods will feed it. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. You, there's, we're lucky to be living in such a day and age like this where people are open and also able to see really what's going on inside. And, and if I want to find that out, do I go to a health coach or, or where do I read these things? I, I don't, maybe I'm reading the wrong things, but I, I don't see them yet. Is there like, um, do, you, do you visit certain websites or do you... Um, Where do you read about that? Yeah, I guess um, I guess because I forget sometimes that I'm this is my life and this is my career and <laughs> right. I forget that I'm so saturated and also to me it seems so um, apparent and that everyone's using it. But um, I forget that the greater population of America, especially too, doesn't know about these sort of things. Um, hmm. And I learned a lot of that too when I was coaching people um, as a health coach and and explaining that there's many ways to get involved. But um, yeah, I think so staying on top of it, wherever you're located, um, whether it's in the Netherlands or in California, they think there are publications that are local to us that are able to share like the latest health and news research. Um, I love um, like Mind Body Green is one of my favorite websites because I feel like it's um, just, they, they cover a lot of different topics um, and they have a lot of different contribute like contributing writers um, that have all different sorts of credibility, whether it's a skin, a skin health or um, not necessarily dermatology because most of their writers seem to be like integrative medicine practitioners or functional medicine practitioners. So it's nice because they have more of a holistic approach, but I would say um, the easiest way to go about it is to first be really clear on your goals. What are you trying to accomplish? Is it, do you, are you trying to figure out what bacteria is in your stomach? Do you have a skin issue? Do you, um, have an imbalance? Like, are you getting headaches? Like, you know, try to figure out what specifically it is and then find, you know, do some research online, see if you can find any good, um, I'd say naturopaths are a great way to start. They, when I saw a local naturopath in San Diego in my journey, she helped me incredibly. And we actually did this test called epigenetics, which it was able to show me specifically my, my lack of like nutrients that I, that I can't create based on my genetics. And that helped wow. me figure out what food I should be consuming more of to make sure that I have a balance of these vitamins. And Instead of taking, I think I was on like six different prescription medications at the time and she got me off all of them just through food. So 
Wow. I've not had never felt better and I haven't taken a prescription since, um, even getting sick. Like I don't take, I don't take antivirals. I don't take, um, antibiotics. I don't take anything anymore because I know how to heal myself. And a lot of that is doing your own research, but also maybe working with a professional who has done the time and has been in the lab and they've seen really the science to back it up and can kind of help you at the beginning and, um, guide you through that journey. I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. Do you yeah. find, are there a lot of naturopaths in your area or do you find that that's more of a, um, an like American thing right now? I actually, I, I really don't know. I haven't, but the, the funny thing is I haven't thought about it. I thought about, you know, impact of food on my health and also with this bacterial infection, but I never actually thought about, you know, like just getting in touch with maybe someone who knows more about that. It's just, you go to the doctor and they prescribe you this um, certain medicine that, you know, keeps it down until you have the stomach research, if, if, it, if it's really bad. And then they have the stomach research and then they send this letter back to your own doctor. And then your own doctor will possibly tell you um, what you need to do, which is usually antibiotics. And it's, first of all, for me, it was a long process. It might have to do with... Um, Berlin and how many people are living here now but I never thought about you know just going out there to someone who maybe works more with natural products I it just didn't came into mind silly right yeah but I'm sure there I really do think there are pockets in every community um, they might be harder to find I've never looked in Berlin I think I've I, like I, I'm sure maybe you just have to like kind of go down some alleyways and see if you <laughs> the right person I have to get on Yelp yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> the the big alleyway of Yelp <laughs> yeah right but it sounds worth it. it it definitely sounds worth it also with you know practicing meditation you <clears throat> like there have been obvious days or even weeks where I couldn't get into practice or it was harder to get in practice. And then when you get aware of what you ate, you're like, that's so logical actually, that I can't you know, focus right or I can't concentrate that well because my stomach is doing a lot of things. Totally, and especially for someone that has an imbalance in bacteria, you said you have a bacterial infection. Um, if you have any sort of issue with your gut, and, and I mean, a lot of bacteria is in your gut, but also like our brain gut access is so strong that it can, t like what we eat totally affects our mental health. And that's, I wrote my final research paper in college on this um, because I was so fascinated by all of the research that came out about um, certain diets for kids with neurodevelopmental disorders. So specifically ch young children that were misdiagnosed with ADHD and sometimes autism just because they had like gluten sensitivity or celiac disease. Whoa. And really their parents were, were just thought that, you know, the doctor said, oh yeah, you know, they have all this inflammation. They must have autism or they're acting this way. They have all of these symptoms of crazy ADHD. So let's put them these young children on like Adderall or all of these, you know, methamphetamine prescription drugs to, to calm them down or help them focus. But really all they had to do was cut out the white bread they were eating because that was causing inflammation in their gut, which in turn really messed up the way that their brain interacted. That's crazy. 
it really like there's and after seeing that and reading so much about it it was so so beyond me to see how much of the world didn't know about this research um but i did find um well to to backtrack i i worked one of my first clients and and as a health coach was um this woman whose son had autism and he was constantly getting sick and she would tell me what he was eating and i and eventually you know and then there was one point where he got sick and he got so inflamed that he had to get his tonsils removed and i'm and getting your tonsils removed is like that your tonsils is like your first line of defense in the immune system so you you don't want to get your tonsils removed you want to keep them in there um but he the doc you know her western doctor said get your tonsil get his tonsils removed so she got his tonsils removed and i was sitting on the sidelines like no please like keep the tonsils try stop eating bread <laughs> first and then eventually she kind of cleaned up his diet and she said that he started to feel better um and his symptoms weren't so severe so that was like a, a really great first experiment for me as a health coach to kind of guide along the sides of what to be eating to feel great. And then taking all of that research that I had done in college and implementing it in the real world was really kind of came full circle. Um, and shortly after that time, I was traveling in, in this small, really small rural town in Ireland. It was in the West of Ireland, kind of just outside of Tipperary. And I ran, came across this gluten-free bakery. And first of all, it's very hard to find that stuff in Ireland in general because they love their soda bread and wheat bread. And so coming across this gluten-free bakery was so cool. And then I walked in and saw all of the signage about talking about kids with neurodevelopmental disorders and how a lot of their proceeds go to charities for kids with autism or um, any sort of mental illness um, or disorder. They they would give proceeds to. And so I, I was just so happy to see that there are some people around there that have seen the research. They are trying to make a difference in their communities. So I, I, think, I think it is clearly working for a lot of people. It's just a matter of trying it out and you know maybe trying those steps first. Like you said, if you're meditating or trying to meditate and you can't, you know, think about what you ate that day or Maybe you do have an imbalance of gut bacteria, or maybe your body's fighting a viral infection and you should be switching up your diet. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it has to come down to how we are fueling ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's really a, a mindfulness practice too, to be aware of what you ate, um, what you can eat and how it will impact you. I mean, it's, it's no uh, secret that a lot of the Buddhist monks back in the day also, you know, the whole to tofu thing came because of this plant-based diet. And um, another big thing uh, there was, uh, at least for the Zen monks, uh, um, green tea. That was also uh, something helpful in their practice. Oh my gosh, yeah. I Oh my gosh, get green tea is my lifesaver. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think, it's, I think it is such a powerful... Um, just a brain hacker in itself. Like I, I, for myself, if I find a high quality green tea and drink that throughout the day, um, instead of doing coffee, I, I can get so much more done and my brain is firing. I just think there's so many great benefits. Essentially you're soaking plants in water. It's like, how can you not, um, there's just great benefits. It seems like a no brainer for anyone to try it. 
Right. I remember going to the Chinese tea shop here in Berlin. Like, there's many, but then there was one, and the guy uh, said about how green tea came to be, which was uh, seemed to be unclear, but the idea was that first people actually ate the leaves too, that it was some kind of soup, and then in the end it turned out that the soup became a drink. But um, he also said he wasn't sure if that was the real reason, but it sounded plausible. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Even if it's just a theory, I'll take it. I think it sounds pretty cool. Although I think eating green tea leaves would probably be really bitter. Yeah, I tried it uh, a few times. <laughs> it's it's not tasty, no. Oh, okay. So I guess it makes sense that they said, you know, screw eating the leaves. Let's just drink the tea. <laughs> right. Let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, rounding off a little bit of the episode and the things we talked about, for anyone right now listening to the things we talked about, the impact of food on our, um, on our, you know, basically our whole mental health and um, finding what works for you, what would you give as an advice to our listeners? I would say to find what really works for you, start, I mean, just, just start by trying, experimenting experiment with veggies. And uh, I mean, I, I just wrote something about this the other day, but how much um, slowing down and being in silence has been a total game changer for me and really understanding what I need um, in all areas of my life, including my diet. Um, so taking time to, because a lot of the times we can say, you know, I, our bodies will be like, I really need ice cream right now, or I really need chocolate. But is that your body being like, I really need that? Or is that your emotions? You know? There's all of these other things that play in. So I think it is practicing that whole aspect of your intuition and getting in touch with what is it that you truly need and um, getting excited about it. You know, it has to be something you love. Otherwise, it's not going to be sustainable. Right. And quickly on that, how do you discern if you are emotionally eating or if you are in general an emotional eater? I think a lot of it is the the obvious red flags where you're not you're you're craving something that you know isn't going to serve you. Um, so my example of like ice cream, um, and you know if you're craving like generally craving ice cream, but your day has just been normal, no ups or downs, you could just be craving something in dairy. So maybe it's something that you're accustomed to. Maybe you need. Um, more lysine or in you know you need to eat like some some maybe you need to cut down the peanuts or you need to do something that can get you some more lysine like which is an amino acid that's commonly found in dairy or maybe i mean you could say calcium but although calcium is much more rich in like sesame seeds and collard greens and plant-based products. So maybe you're trying those things. If you find yourself craving things that you don't think are serving you, it's about retraining your taste buds and your intuition to crave things that are serving you and, you know, being like, Hey, you don't need this for lysine or calcium. Try these right. instead. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a thing I took from it too, is that basically you're dealing with uh, social and cultural habits that, as you said, you know, that at some places they only eat certain kinds of bread or they eat, you know, it's like the same with beer drinking. There's a lot of, um, it's very, um, the norm is very uh, different in, in places in terms of culture and, and social. And it's about finding 
like the real habits that work for you, but it's hard. It's hard to to loosen yourself sometimes from the social and cultural norm, especially when you're with friends or you're going out. It's so easy to, you know, take these things that maybe in the end will not benefit you. Yeah, I I feel for that. Um, I definitely, I, I went through that experience and I think that is something that is kind of inevitable for everybody when they are transitioning into this new journey because at the time they probably are, I mean, we all surround ourselves with people that are very similar to us in, you know, like eating habits and that sort of thing most of the time. And when you're transitioning into being more plant-based or taking care of yourself, you have to remember that you're people that love you and the people that surround you will accept you depending on how you perceive the idea. So if you are going to dinner and you're ordering a salad and you're upset about it, people are going to give you a hard time. But if you're going and you're excited and you're fueling yourself and you're loving this salad or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a salad. That sounds boring, but it could be... <laughs> eggplant like carbonara or whatever <laughs> spaghetti squash is right. something delicious that if it's all about how you see it if you're excited about it and you're feeling awesome people are going to be like heck yeah like that's great they're living their best life we're not going to question it so that was something that took me so many years to get through and push past was the social constructs of um you know trying to fit in or um, this all started for me in high school. So I, I literally started buying my own groceries as at 15, I would ask my mom to take me to the grocery store and say, Hey, I need to go get like, I need to get berries and dehydrated kale chips and like pasture raised eggs instead of like all of the, you know, the conventional stuff. So it's about owning it and being excited about it. And also explaining to people why, and backing yourself up, like be your own, um, cheerleader and everyone else will cheer you on too. Wow. Amazing advice. And thank you so much. I, I learned a lot in this episode and, um, yeah, just thank you for your, your words, your advice and for joining me on the podcast. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. It was so great talking to you. And I love, love connecting with people that understand where the world that we live in. I think it's so great. If you enjoyed what Isabel talked about, make sure to check out her website, mentioned in the description of this episode. Shout out to our Patreons, Amber, XMGaw, Jay, JupiterGirlX, Candace, Tim, Kate, Chris, Justin, Dizis, and Krish. Thank you very much for supporting us. Remember to subscribe to our podcast if you enjoyed this talk. And thank you for listening. Have a great day.